Welcome to the Defiant Podcast. The internet of money is being built with blockchain technology and without banks. We call it DeFi, short for decentralized finance. And this is where you can hear the builders and users of this cutting edge world tell their stories firsthand. I'm your host, Camila Russo. In this week's episode, we interview Santiago Siri, who has been working on improving the way democracy works for over a decade. He started from the inside, co-founding a political party in Argentina, his home country, but realized traditional politics would change him before he could change politics. So he started building better representation for the new world and founded Democracy Earth Foundation. It's worth noting that he's been hacked by communists two times in the process. Democracy Earth Foundation is developing a project called Proof of Humanity. Proof of Humanity wants to crack the problem of identity in the decentralized era of Web3. How to prove who you are without relying on centralized entities. Proof of Humanity has been able to create 5,000 on-chain identities in two months. What's more, all of those in the network are getting streamed UBI token, which stands for Universal Basic Income. The next step would be for applications in Web3 to integrate these identities. The initial use cases in DeFi are pretty obvious. For one, lenders could integrate with Proof of Humanity to start offering under-collateralized loans. The goal is to give anyone in the world the power to take back their identity away from the Web2 world and use them in a system that they control. Before we get to it, here's a word about our sponsors. Don't let high gas costs keep you out of Ethereum. At Balancer, you can trade all you want and get most of the gas costs back in your pocket. In their new Bal for Gas campaign, traders are receiving six figures worth of Bal tokens every week. And with V2 just around the corner, Balancer is becoming the one-stop shop for DeFi liquidity. Balancer V2 brings stable pools and weighted pools tightly integrated under a single protocol, flash loans, lending via asset managers, and much more. Check it out at balancer.finance. Check out Kraken, where you can earn additional rewards by staking some of your favorite DeFi assets. With more than 1 billion in crypto staked, including 350,000 ETH, Kraken has paid out 27 million worth of rewards to their clients. Pay a trade twice a week and you can earn up to 20% annually. Sign up today at kraken.com and start earning some of the most popular DeFi assets, including Polkadot, Uniswap, Aave, and more. Enzyme provides an easy way to build, scale, and monetize DeFi investment strategies. If high gas prices are shutting you out of DeFi, fear not. Enzyme is now running a gas subsidy program. The app makes it easy for investors to pull together on strategies lowering costs. The Enzyme interface allows anyone to trade, lend, deposit to AMM pools, farm, stake, and more. It is a non-custodial solution and allows for real-time reporting, security, and transparency. Sign up today on Enzyme.finance. Experience DeFi. Deposit, earn, and borrow on Aave. Aave is a decentralized, open-source, and non-custodial liquidity protocol to earn interest on deposits and borrow assets. Deposit and start earning interest in real time directly in your wallet and swap any of your deposited assets at any time to get some of the best deals on the market. Aave protocol liquidity pools are now available on Ethereum and on the sidechain Polygon. 
Head over to app.ave.com to get started today. Okay. Um, here we are with Santiago Siri of Democracy Earth. Santi, welcome to the Defiant Podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me, Camila. Um, great. So uh, Santiago is uh, developing, um, spearheading Democracy Earth Foundation, which has a big goal. It aims to advance democracy in the information age. So we will hear all about how he's doing that with a universal basic income token, proof of humanity, all these incredibly interesting concepts um, that are just emerging in the Web3 space. Um, and so uh, I, I can't wait to hear all about the latest. Uh, but as always, um, uh, I just love to uh, get to know you better. And um, can we start with your background and how you first got into crypto? So I'm, I'm from Argentina. That's where my accent comes from. Uh, I was a computer programmer since childhood, always interested in building systems. I began my career as a game developer, uh, you know, curious about games early on. And uh, I, I found out about Bitcoin in 2011. I was already working with virtual currencies back then. I had a small project in 2009 that was called the Woofy Bank and did a currency based on your social reputation in social media. Mm. So because of that predating work to finding out about cryptocurrencies, I guess I already had the antenna fine-tuned to be interested in the history of money, and uh, you know, several different aspects of that project took me to really jump into the Bitcoin bandwagon in, in, in the early days of last decade. So I've been involved in the space for 10 years now, and uh, it's been quite a roller coaster. I can definitely say that. Uh, in I, I got engaged, uh, sorry, I got a I got into politics uh, in, uh, in Argentina with a political party called Partido de la Red. And uh, through that experience of that connects the world of politics with the world of technology, tech stuff like Bitcoin and then stuff like Ethereum became more and more relevant to the type of work that I've been doing since then. And in 2015, Y Combinator gave us a grant because of the work we've done with the political party. So we started Democracy Earth Foundation with their backing. And throughout the last six years, we've been implementing democratic pilots around the world. Um, I can claim that twice I've been hacked by communists by creating fake identities. <laughs> so that's why identity is such an important problem of this puzzle. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in, in the last uh, six months, uh, it's been quite a roller coaster. We joined forces with Kleros and we launched uh, Proof of Humanity and, and here we are. Wow. Um, like, where to start <laughs> that background? So interesting. Um, I guess I, I would love to just hear more about uh, this political party. Like, what was what was it about, and is it still alive? Like, are you still involved with that? Um, I'm still involved with the former members, but you know, politics is a very nasty environment. Uh, Partido de la Red, that was the name of the party, the Net Party, was a very simple idea. Actually, it was just a, a party that would propose candidates for Congress that would vote on every bill according to the will of citizens online. 
So that meant we had to figure out what it means to create a political party, get the signatures, run for an election in a country like Argentina, which is, you know, this very welcoming. It's not a very friendly place for politics. And at the same time, figure out what's the right technology. How do you build a digital democracy? How you guarantee the integrity of the vote? How you guarantee the privacy of the vote? All of these uh, very interesting cryptographic and technical challenges. So um, uh, the party ran for its first election in 2013. We got 1% of the votes, which is actually quite a lot for, for a new party. Uh, it's 22,000 votes in the city of Buenos Aires. We needed 3% to get someone in Congress, so it wasn't enough. But uh, because of the innovation that we were bringing to an environment where innovation is completely lacking, uh, I, I, it was really interesting. Uh, it was a really interesting project for outsiders in other countries, in other communities around the world that took notice of what we did with Partido de la Red. And that brought us to do a global TED Talk, uh, which brought us into the international stage. And eventually we, we, we got into Y Combinator, which helped us focus on the technological side of things and start thinking about this problem in more global terms because the status quo of politics is pretty much the same everywhere. It sucks. Yeah. So were you, you back then um, using blockchain as, as a means of like verifying identity and ensuring transparency and votes or, or, or were you kind of not there yet? No, at the beginning of the party, our original attempt was, well, let's make an open source technology so anyone can audit the code and see how it works. Uh, obviously, it was a very naive approach, but it was a first step for us. Um, very soon, we found out that whoever controls the server, whoever controls the database, uh, might uh, you know delay certain people from registering and accelerate other people from registering, and that fact alone can already tumble an election. And we've seen that kind of behavior. So, server-based architecture. Uh, you know, right from the early pilots, it was clear that it, it is a huge risk on every election. Whoever controls the server, whoever controls the database can control the outcome of an election. That's why you, you, you really cannot trust surveys on, on social media or, or, you know, everything is very easy to, to manipulate if you have the, the backdoor keys to, to how the technology works. So I was interested in Bitcoin very early on. I tried to do some stuff with it. Um, we actually did a very big pilot in Hong Kong that persisted the votes using Bitcoin transactions. And we use a Merkle tree. and We stored the Merkle root of the Merkle tree in a Bitcoin transaction. It was a very nice implementation from a cryptographic angle. But in that shadow referendum, we, held, we did this in Hong Kong with the umbrella movement uh, to elect a city major. Uh, in that shadow referendum, we got 800,000 participants on Telegram voting. 600,000 of, of, of those came from China, from a Chinese IP. So mm -hmm. that was the second time the, the communists hacked me. And, mm -hmm. and again, it was identity, a civil attack of sorts, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and a, a single identity pretending to be multiple identities. And, um, you know, it was one of those experiences where you start really understanding the nature of the problem you, that you're facing. 
That's that's so interesting. So what happened there was um, a hacker from China was able to create 600,000 different addresses, I guess, on like the Bitcoin network and votes. Bots, bots, bots. Uh, and, and fake addresses that fl flooded the Telegram account that we were using to make this referendum. We were using Telegram as, a, as an interface. This is back in 20, 2016, 2017. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's already some years ago, uh, and uh, you know it rendered the whole process irrelevant. Um, but for us, it was you know technical research. At the end of the day, we mm -hmm. tried. We were trying to figure out if it if it's is it possible to use something like Bitcoin for stuff like this. Um, then we learned more and more about Ethereum, and it's obvious that if you really want to get serious about. Uh, governance on, on cyberspace, uh, it needs to happen with some kind of smart contracting technology. Mm. And, uh, you know, Ethereum really grew into me. Uh, I think that what, what did the trick with me was meeting the community. Uh, actually, in 2018, I went to my first DevCon. Uh, I was already, you know, into the community online, but when I met the real people behind this technology, where their values are, the diversity of people, uh, the, the capacity of the community to include people from multiple origins. I've seen that on Ethereum. I haven't seen that in other crypto tribes out there. Mm. Uh, and actually in that DevCon in 2018, I met uh, all of the Kleros team. And, you know, we became friends really quick. We, we know it, and it was uh, a really interesting way of the community finding environments and people you might want to be able to collaborate and to learn from. And, and for that, I'm incredibly great, grateful to Ethereum because since 2017, pretty much everything we've been doing has been done using Ethereum one way or another. Um, that was the, the Prague uh, DevCon, right? Yes. I yes. was there too. That was also my my first my first yes. one. <laughs> we, we probably kind of like met and at, at some point. Probably. I was yeah. probably drunk. <laughs> <laughs> At, you know, I went to some of those parties too. Yeah, yeah. Conversations <laughs> until 6, 7 a.m. about uh, sharding and, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. There were also some ravers, so it wasn't yeah. all 100% uh, tech. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so before I, I forget to ask you this, you mentioned the, the Hong Kong vote um, was your, the second time you were hacked by communists. So what was the first yeah. time? <laughs> The first time was in Buenos Aires, the workers' uh -huh. party. Uh, mm -hmm. That was a simple open source implementation of our original software. And we had 30,000, you know, uh, all 14 parties in Congress contributed one bill that would get voted by citizens. Uh, and the top bill would be treated on the floor. That was the pilot. And uh, we worked with all of the parties. Every party introduced a bill to be debated on the online platform. And the Workers' Party, which is a left-wing party from Argentina, they introduced also 6,000, smaller amount, but 6,000 fake accounts, all coming from the same IP with weird names. And it was oh my God. obvious that they were trying to just push the bill into the floor, you know, whatever, whatever it takes. Should we hack these kids doing this digital democracy thing? We will do it. So... You know, kudos to them for trying to find the vulnerabilities on what we were building. But, you know, here's the thing about democracy. Democ democracy is something that happens. It's for the 
tough choices. It's not for easy choices. You get rough consensus on an easy choice any given day. You go to a vote when something is really, really hard uh, for a community to come to a consensus. So democracies are always facing hostile environments. Mm -hmm. And the higher the stakes, uh, the more likely people will go to very weird places to try to hijack and take over your system. And it happens in every election. It happens in every real context. So these systems, democratic systems, need to be extremely Mm anti-fragile. And, you know, the higher the risk of a decision, the higher the need for legitimacy. It's very important that we understand that democracy, you know, is is very useful when, when you have a big conflict of interests. You cannot come to a decision easily. So you need to find a mechanism that breeds in legitimacy and onboards everyone into into moving forward with, with the decision being made. So to you, why why do you think it's important to come up with a blockchain-based system or or like um I, I guess like a more um like your 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 initial thought was all about uh, having the com- communities more easily uh, participate, right? Yeah. Um, and so that path led you t- into implementing blockchain blockchain in this process somehow. So, like, why do you think um, this is important? Like, what's what's wrong with the way democracy currently works? So, you know, the the, the information systems put in place in in the institutions we have uh, today are a consequence of the information technologies from 300, 400 years ago, mainly the printing press, you know, the constitution and, and everything that has glued together communities is a consequence. And we have the Spanish living in Spain because books were being printed in the vernacular languages of the Spanish or, 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 or of the Italians or of the English. And it was those, the information technologies from 300 years ago that broke the connection of power with Latin or, you know, the church and, and started creating, you know, the, the communities that we were born with, you know, our nationalities and our countries, which are you know, an important part of our identity, even more so in a globalized society, more, you know, more often than not living abroad, you introduce yourself with your name, your surname and your nationality probably. Um, but uh, today we live in cyberspace. To me, it makes no sense that 0.00001% of the population have the rights to represent everyone else. You have 700 people in Washington representing 300 million. Seems a a little bit absurd. And as a child of the internet, of uh, Wikipedia, of open source, of free software, and all of these new technologies, uh, you know, why shouldn't we try to rethink the way our politics or politicians and our representative system work. And, you know, with with Bitcoin, you know, it's really interesting back in the early 2010s, uh, it was really interesting to see, wow, suddenly you have a technology daring to disrupt the very concept of money. You know, fast forward 10 years later, you know, it has disrupted that very effectively. And there's way more than that that can be done. And I think that Probably the computing revolution is is just getting started. It's not like it began and it's now ending. It's like just getting started. And it was first the personal computer, then the internet. And that was a cultural revolution, quote unquote. But now it's an institutional revolution. We're able to create institutions in cyberspace using nothing but bits and cryptography. And we can 
create organizations that are far more transparent, far more accountable, far more efficient in their governance methods than anything that we have seen before. My experience trying to change politics from the inside in Argentina was like, uh, if I want to be successful in that system, I have to play by the rules of that system. So I, you know, it's it will be the system changing me before I can change anything. So let's build a new system that makes this obsolete. And to me, that's that looks a lot like Ethereum. Uh, now, when I have to pay attention at what's how governance looks on Ethereum, a hundred percent of the protocols, well, now ninety nine percent of the protocols out there are plutocratic. You know, you mm -hmm. vote with your shares, you vote with your tokens. <coughs> Sorry, and the reality of that is that the only real decision makers are the whales. Everyone is, everyone else is just pretending. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the plutocratic situation in Ethereum, I think governance can get far more interesting if we, if we do one node, one, one person, one vote. And, and, and around that, we start doing quadratic voting or we start doing liquid democracy. But with the principle, you know, Satoshi in, in, its, in his original paper, he said, one CPU, one vote. He literally says that. Mm -hmm. One CPU, one vote. That's 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 fine. Okay, I get it. Power to the machines. But uh, turns out that we need to build technology that is not only facing capital. We also need to build technology that faces society, that faces people, that impacts lives, that uh, tries to really include everyone, that tries to bring human rights. And that's one person, one vote. Uh, or one person, one node, and, and you build with that. And, and that's also actually real decentralization, if you can achieve something like that. Far more decentralized than anything we've seen before. So if we care about that, then I think one person, one node is a relevant way forward. I love it. Um, there's so much to unpack there. I think first piece is that to understand that what you're doing is not about um, bringing a new voting system to nations. Like you're not about, okay, like let's change the US voting system with a blockchain based voting system. This is about bringing um, governance to this new kind of metaverse that we are creating um, with Web3, with DeFi, with distributed networks, uh, with cryptocurrency. Um, and so, uh, as we are kind of building this new digital world, we will need um, a new way of um, of governing. And so like, that's what you're building now, like kind of like setting the, the base for how communities will organize themselves and, and decide on things and vote, vote on things. We're clearly in a very early uh, part of the history of these technologies, like mm -hmm. we're not, probably not even reaching 5% of the population around the world right now. So it's not like we can do a national election around this soon, like, like this year, maybe in five, 10 years from now. I mean, it took Facebook uh, a decade to reach uh, over a billion users uh, and probably the pace of adoption of new technologies is even faster today. Now with crypto, there are some learning curves. It's like we have to learn how to use this this blockchain thing, you know, for real, it's like learning a computer for the first time. What's gas? What's you know? What's a wallet? What's an exchange? And 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 you know, it still surprises me that even though it's 2021, there's far more uh, newbies out there than 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 we can than I would have expected by now. Like there's it's still a very early day, but the you know at the end of the day, the potential of these technologies 
is that they operate in cyber, cyberspace, they don't recognize any national frontiers, they are censorship resistant, they can be deployed anywhere there's an internet connection. So it's a little bit of a, it's a meteor that will hit hard traditional institutions. You know, the, the GDP of uh, Ethereum is bigger than the GDP of my own country. So oh, this is a new crazy. financial reality to a new generation. Uh, and now we're living this transition. So today, probably, you know, it's crypto for crypto. We build this technology to bootstrap the networks that we're building and are composed, you know, doing this composability and smart. Like, I'm fascinated with proof of humanity. Everything we've done so far would not be possible if MakerDAO didn't exist, if uh, Uniswap didn't exist, if Yearn Finance didn't exist. Because all of that exists, we can build Kleros, uh, you know, we can build Democracy Earth, to, uh, we can build Proof of Humanity today. So it, it's, it's really, right now it's a bootstrapping phase of the network, but facing forward, the economic and political story or history of the 21st century is driven by these technologies. Mm. Maybe the same way that, you know, industrialist capitalism uh, and Marxism were the experiments of the 20th century. The great experiments of the 21st century uh, very likely will be these networks that we're talking about. Really interesting. And then um, the other piece I wanted to unpack was the idea of plutocracy in crypto right now. Um, and, you know, just uh, breaking that down further, uh, what that means is that right now, um, decentralized autonomous organizations, DAOs, which are what govern uh, crypto right now. So like um, Maker, MakerDAO is like a, a good example. And like, I guess like the first or one of the first in DeFi, um, it is being governed by this decentralized autonomous organization, which right now is actually like further becoming more decentralized with the foundation of MakerDAO dissolving so that only the DAO can control this protocol. And what happens is that token holders of MakerDAO, um, holders of Maker, the Maker token, can vote in different um, decisions, uh, like the, um, the interest rate, for example, which is already pretty crazy. Like imagine having a system where anyone, like I'm a maker holder, I can participate on an interest rate decision, something that's usually been close to like a small group of central bankers. Well, that's pretty crazy. But it's true that um, if you have a bunch of maker tokens, you can effectively decide on like on all the governance decisions. So it's like, people with the most resources have the most power. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not a system, I don't know, that I think most of us would want to aspire to. Um, so how, how can we, like, what's, what's your, um, what's your uh, work been, been, how have you uh, developed that? Uh, like, how, how can we change that? So from our experience doing democratic, digital democracy pilots mm -hmm. around the world, very early on, we realized I, you know, the mother of all battles is identity. Actually, Edward Snowden in Web3 in Berlin a couple of years ago, he said, the one vulnerability being exploited across all systems is identity. It's such an Achilles heel for everything we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So in 2017, uh, Democracy Earth Foundation uh, authored a paper called The Social Smart Contract. Back then, we figured, you know, if you can do some kind of a registry where you have verification of identities using video in a decentralized way, 
then you could have a mechanism that then could potentially even drip to these identities, universal basic income tokens. We have like the rough sketches of that, uh, and that, that paper is out there somewhere. It was a collaborative effort done in, on GitHub. And uh, we, we started uh, looking into every, every project that was around in the space, trying to figure out decentralized identity. Uh, in 2020, we published a paper, in a, this time in a scientific journal with peer review, co-authored with uh, uh, Democracy Earth, Radical Exchange, and Perm University. Uh, and uh, we looked at different efforts being made in the, in, the, in the space. Most of the efforts were can be categorized into two things. Into two things. One is web of trust. I vouch from some, for someone else and you build a graph around that. And the other approach is using Turing tests, some kind of test that helps the system understand if it's interacting with a human or a robot. Mm. So with Kleros, which I mentioned, we met in 2018, we became good friends with Federico Ast, he's Argentine, and we've been good uh, friends for over 10 years now. So uh, we've we known each other for a while. Um, in, with Kleros, we started a research group on Telegram called Proof of Humanity. Kleros uh, uh, began working on an adaptation of their smart contracts to create a registry of humans. And we started chiming in, in into that project and, and started to share this with other researchers in the space. Vitalik was all actually among those early researchers. And um, in, in 2020, this started becoming the Proof of Humanity project. We did a meetup in, in, De, uh, in DevCon in Osaka, Kleros, uh, Democracy Earth, uh, Gnosis, and some other projects were, were hanging out, Bright ID, uh, IDENA, uh, some of the projects that were looking into this. And in 20, late 2020, uh, the development of Proof of Humanities really sped up. Uh, I, I focused on working on the UBI token, which is this universal basic income token that automatically gets uh, streamed to every verified identity on Proof of Humanity. And the interesting thing is that so far with Proof of Humanity, we've been able to create a registry that's, that's around almost reaching 5,000 humans now uh, in almost uh, two months. Uh, it's growing, you know, it has a nice rate of virality uh, where people have to generate this proof about themselves with a video where you display your Ethereum address and other previously verified addresses have to vouch for you. And if no one challenges your, your proof and you have to follow the guidelines, otherwise you might get challenged, uh, then you get back the deposit you originally paid. If you get challenged, your deposit goes into a Kleros arbitration court, and there you have to go through th you know, several rounds, if you go through that, to, to defend your profile uh, against someone that considers that your profile might not be suitable for the proof of humanity list. Um, it's, it's, you know, sounds more complicated than it is. It's not a simple system also, but it's been on mainnet since March 10, and it's it, a whole community mushroomed around it, and it's uh, fascinating to see this, this attempt at trying to decentralize identity and trying to figure out what human rights look like in a, in a network like Ethereum. Mm. Okay, so how, how does this register work? Like, are, is each identity registered 
like in the Ethereum network. Um, yes. And yeah. Okay. So so in theory, like once I am confirmed as part of the proof of humanity um, registry, uh, my is is it is is that um, ID kind of linked to uh, an Ethereum address or like how? How does it yes, work? Yes, we, we put all kinds of warnings in the user interface to let you know that whatever address you're going to be end up using is going to be linked to this proof of humanity video that you're going to be generating for the proof. Now, we don't require you to give us your legal or real name. You can use your fake, a fake name. You can, you know, there's no personal information required, mm -hmm. uh, but we do require a video where you have to say, I certify that I'm a human. Uh, it, this is only for humans, not for robots or for you know aliens. Uh, I certify that I'm a human and I do not have a register in this registry. So it's an affidavit that you have to tell in the video and you have to display uh, a paper or a phone or something showing your Ethereum address. So the community can look at that proof and verify that the address that you're using on the blockchain coincides with what you're using as a video proof. Now, these video proofs, uh, once you do the transaction with your video proof, uh, that gets into the registry. And for the next three days and a half, uh, no, sorry, someone has to vouch for you. Uh, and, and this is the thing about vouches, which is really important. Vouches, when I give a vouch to someone, I can give as many vouches as I want, but my vouches get processed sequentially. Everyone's vouches gets processed uh, sequentially, one vouch after the next one. And each vouch, each identity takes three days and a half to be processed. Mm -hmm. So vouches are processed sequentially to prevent a network of spam bots from hijacking the registry because I could potentially create a fake account that vouches for another fake account and that fake account. And if vouches get processed uh, in real time, then you get a hijack attack happening very easily. But because mm -hmm. you have this sequen sequential processing of the vouches, uh, so you know my vouches are actually not that useful. Like, people are asking me to vouch for them. And I tell them, I already given 30 vouches. It will take two months for my vouchers to be processed, like even mm -hmm. though I'm an influencer in the network, I do not have influencing capabilities that might help centralize my power in the network. Mm -hmm. So I've been like, I'm effectively, the more influencing I become, the, the less influencing I become because oh, the more vouchers I give, the more, the longer the vouchers I have. So mm -hmm. once you receive a vouch in your proof, you have three days and a half where someone in that window of time, someone can challenge your profile uh, because maybe you look like a deep fake and it's like, no, this person is not a real human or uh, you are not showing the right uh, address that you use for the transaction or you are not uh, saying what you are required to say on the video. So if you get challenged, your, your deposit goes into a Kleros court and through the arbitration mechanism of Kleros, uh, Azurer of Clero uh, stakers will decide whether the challenger or your profile uh, is is uh, is well done, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, because we are able to to build this on top of Clero's, then we can guarantee that the quality of the list uh, will be there. Now, of course, we have issues. Some people complain that 
hey, he, he missed a number on the, on the, you know, on the board or uh, little details that get challenged. And it's interesting to see all of the conversations the community is having around how the, the debugging mechanism of the, of the proof of humanity registry works. How many vouchers do you need <clears throat> to be only registered? One. Right now okay. it's only one voucher. <clears throat> so if you get a voucher from someone already verified, then you have three days and a half. If no one challenges you, you become a verified human. And from a smart contract perspective, uh, that's that's great because any smart contract out there now can ask uh, the, the proof of humanity smart contract, is this address, does this address belong to a unique human or not? And you will get either a true or false for that. So anyone can build democracies or more democratic forms of governance, for example, or more social-like systems or reputation systems, all kinds of things. Mm. Okay, and then, sorry, um, just on, on uh, more details, um, how much is the deposit that you have to kind of stake? Right now, the deposit is 0 0.18 ETH. Uh, so we know that, for example, in developing nations, this is a significant amount of money. Uh, not, not, not all people can afford that. So you can do a profile with crowdfunding so you can mm -hmm. apply without paying the deposit, but then the community, you have to crowdfund from the community. Uh, and that deposit, uh, you know, guarantees that you take real care on making your proof because, you know, you can risk losing that. Mm -hmm. If you do it well, you will get it back. Uh, and uh, it, it helps pay the gas and the fees that, you know, if it goes to a Cletus court, uh, puts the incentive for challengers to try to find uh, uh, human applications that are not well done. Got it. And then what's what's the incentive for vouchers? So vouching right now is gasless. Uh, okay. So there is no uh, cost to vouching. Originally it had it was on chain, but mm -hmm. one of the brilliant uh, coders behind Proof of Humanity figured out a way to do it in a in a gasless way. So there's there's not a cost in that. Okay. So incentive is basically. Probably, you know, a friend uh, uh, wants to get registered and they know someone in Proof of Humanity, so they, they'll just ask someone they know, hey, can you vouch for me? And and that's kind of a simple process to, to do. A pattern okay. that I'm seeing, and you can actually look at this in the Proof of Humanity register, you, you will find a lot of grandparents uh, that clearly they, there's probably a family member helping them out to do their, their Proof of Humanity. Children, you know, we, we are finding entire families being Very registered good. into the registry, which is like, again, it's, you know, economic systems, they're good to make money, but they're also, it's even better if they can address society. And, yeah. and we are seeing that with proof of humanity. So, okay. So um, just to get this clear, like what's the relationship between democracy earth and proof of humanity? Uh, democracy Earth is uh, like Kleros. We are like the two. It's a joint. We, we could say that Proof of Humanity is pretty much a joint venture of of Kleros and Proof of Hum and and Democracy Earth. Okay. Uh, both both teams, both communities, uh, you know, join forces to to help make this happen. And we've been uh, we've been talking about this for for at least five years. Cool. And then. And what's Cleros? Uh, like a DAO system, governance system? Cleros is an, uh, an arbitration system. Uh, it's an on-chain arbitration system uh, for conflict resolution. And it's it's 
kind of like a technology that helps create uh, oracles of any kind. It builds lists and it has a whole uh, system of incentives uh, where uh, if you lose on the, on the, you know, if the judor um, gives a, a sentence that's against your interest, you can appeal, but the cost of appealing increases with every successive round. So it has this economic, is a series of economic incentives that helps a community to make decisions about something that might be a little bit blurry for the general eye. And it's, it's a conflict resolution system, it has been working very well. It's actually used by, I don't know, Uniswap uses it to create their mm -hmm. list of, of tokens. Uh, and there are some other interesting use that with proof of humanity, they found like a, a really interesting project because ultimately it's about giving citizenship rights uh, to people that participate on, on this network. Very cool. Okay, and then how does UBI, the, this universal basic income token, play a part into all this? So uh, UBI, it's an ERC-20 token, mm -hmm. a standard Ethereum token, swappable with anything. So that was really important to make it work like uh, ERC-20 money. Um, and it's, it's, it has one particular aspect. It's connected to, to proof of humanity. And the second you become verified, this token it has a streaming feature. So you will start seeing on your wallet uh, without uh, any costing gas and without any special uh, add-on or whatever, on MetaMask or in any standard Ethereum wallet, you will see that every second you start getting uh, UBI tokens dripped into your wallet. Uh, that's why we use the drip, uh, the, the teardrop emoji on, on mm. Twitter, because you see it live on like dripping on your wallet. It drips at a rate of 0.00028 per second. So that's one UBI per hour. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's been 50 days. Uh, like any small cap token, it had wild fluctuations uh, in price. Uh, but what I can tell you is that this rate of 720 per month or one per hour uh, so far has always been able to deliver uh, universal basic income of at least $100 or $200 per month. Uh, so wow. it's been really interesting to see this, the dynamic of the token play, play out. And now we're building a, a lot of very interesting uh, uh, features around the token to, to sustain its value over the long term, working with other communities in the DeFi ecosystem. Wow, that's so cool. Um, so I guess like that's a big incentive to join Proof of Humanity. You automatically get this UBI token streamed to your MetaMask or to you, yes. whatever Web3 wallet you're using. It's an important incentive to, uh, uh, to a lot of the people joining the system and and uh, you know it's 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 really interesting because it's probably the most fair airdrop you can imagine. You know, you it's it's given to every human throughout time, uh, wow. as long as you know they've been verified and in proof of humanity. So what's in in crypto? Like, how would how do you envision UBI to work? So, you know. Ultimately, you know, the challenge is to, on one hand, to understand if this technology can reach the last mile. You know, for right now, with the gas costs alone, mm -hmm. 
exclude a lot of people from, mm. from participating in something like this. So we certainly hope that with ETH2, proof of stake, and a lot of the innovations, if we look into the movie instead of the photograph of the present, mm. I'm optimistic that we will be able to make this technology far more inclusive. And proof of humanity being on the rocket that Ethereum is, I think we are in the right place to, to reach that kind of scalability in the long term. But the goal is that, you know, that if mm. we can, you know, there's an incredible amount of wealth in crypto being made. But sooner or later, the conversation around wealth distribution and crypto will become a relevant topic. And uh, if we don't have in place systems that are able to face society, uh, then it's, it's, it's a risky environment uh, over the long term. Like we need to understand how these technologies can impact everyone, and especially those that need it the most. We are in a century that uh, automation, uh, robotics, artificial intelligence, machine learning, everything will displace, displace us from our jobs, blue collar jobs and white collar jobs. So looking into this future, uh, the reality of uh, something that can provide uh, you know, some a safe ground for everyone, a safe net for everyone, makes a lot of sense. We've seen that last year with COVID and, and the government's printing money. Uh, UBI tries to do this in the most possible fair way. Uh, and, and so far, uh, you know, in the, there, there are definitely a lot of challenges look, looking forward. But so far, we've been able to deliver this, this UBI. To me, it's impressive to see, like, uh, you know, a lot of people from Argentina, from my own country, obviously, that are joining this with, with real hopes to see this project succeed. And I'm, you know, to me in crypto, if, if you are building a technology that is not impacting the developing world, your technology is probably broken. It's not, 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 not or, you know, it's not interesting to me. Like we have to understand that, you know, this incredible wealth being made, we need to understand how it can impact the greater community and the greater society we all belong to. And, and one of the salient aspects to me about proof of humanity is that it doesn't require you to present any credentials of anything. It just it's just built for every human. And potentially a kid in Bangalore or in Mumbai will get the same amount of UBI than a kid in Connecticut or in Oslo or in a developed nation. It's a level playing field technology. Everyone gets the same. Only requirement is that you're able to prove that you're human and you know, as long as we can demonstrate that this system uh, prevents any kind of centralization uh, in its crypto economic incentives, with its crypto economic incentives and its dynamics, then we have a very promising technology. So far, uh, I've seen myself decentralized from the system. I was actually expelled mm -hmm. from the proof of humanity registry. I was challenged myself because I was not showing my full address. And I didn't realize that when I made my video. I was just, hey, this is my video, this is my address. And I didn't realize that in the screenshot of my address, I was using the last six, seven characters were not showing. And I got challenged and kicked out for one week of proof of humanity. And I had to create a new video, beg for a vouch to the community. Everyone is begging for vouchers. And, uh, and once I got my vouch, wait three days and a half, and now I got my UBI dripping again on my wallet. Um, Moving forward, now there's a lot of challenges. Uh, you know how to sustain the value of UBI, how to uh, you know uh, grow, uh, reduce the barriers of entry to proof of humanity. Um, but I'm, I'm 
we we started with the right foot, like uh, in 50 days, getting uh, 5,000 users, 1,000 users every 10 days. It's it's really very promising. And, and looking forward, you know, what, what would it mean to have more than 10,000 users, potential human nodes on a, on a decentralized network? What would it mean to have 100,000 users? No one really knows how many users are on Ethereum or, or in DeFi because it's all accounts, right? And everyone has multiple accounts. But with this, we can start getting a real sense of who's who behind Ethereum. Very, very cool. So what are some of the plans uh, to making sure that UBI has has value? Like, So actually, one of the projects, um, like to me, has been a, a quite a switch to go from a coder alone in, in my home, you know, shipping smart contract code and getting audited by my friends of Kleros uh, to suddenly uh, discovering an incredible community with a lot of ideas. And what's even stranger to me is that uh, when there's a cool idea, two weeks later, that idea is finished and done by some uh, other member of the community that, that simply had the time to build it. Wow. And the pace of, of, of uh, innovation I've seen so far is incredible. And a project that has me very interested these days is that we're working with the YEARN, uh, YEARN, uh, YEARN.finance, the, the great project, by the way, Andres Crunch's uh, pet project that suddenly took over the world of DeFi last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you know, you have these, these vaults that generate an interest on stable coins or in other crypto assets. And what we're doing with our vaults is this, you generate an interest say 10% APY or 20% APY, and with a fraction, let's say 20% or 30% or 50% of the interest you generated, a fraction of that goes to buying and burning UBI. So uh, we already deployed this on mainnet on Saturday, actually two days ago, uh, and we already had the first, you know, we're testing right now, so it's a little bit of money, but we already had the first, few UBIs getting burned by the by the interest generated by the vault, piggybacking on, on the work of uh, YR and Finance. So we're doing these humanitarian vaults. And if we're able to reach a certain amount of money there uh, that can uh, consistently buy and burn UBI every day, uh, we can potentially you know, keep the supply of UBI in control in spite of getting more and more people joining the joining the registry. So these two forces uh, can can really generate a nice, uh, a a sustainable inflation rate that keeps the price of the token over the long term. And to me, it's mind blowing, mind blowing that, you know, thanks to Uniswap, MakerDAO, Wire, Kleros, all of these smart contracts, we were able to compose and, and, and leverage on them and ship something that can potentially deliver universal basic income on a global scale, to me, that's mind blowing. And and I know it's very early on on into the project, but the start has been so surprising to everyone involved in this project that uh, we we have a responsibility now to to make sure it keeps growing in the right direction. Very cool. Um, so you're, you're basically doing monetary policy through year in finance, like through these vaults, <laughs> basically. Yeah, actually, not me. And this developer Emiliano. I mean, you Italy. as like proof of humanity. Yeah, the network. community. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
can you just like break down a little bit further how that works? It's like, so there, there are by vaults, what like, I mean, for like listeners who don't kind of uh, get that jargon, it's, it's uh, like basically um, deposits of tokens, right? Yeah. And so in these deposits, you have UBI tokens on one hand and ETH on the other hand, no. like, so it's, we are actually leveraging on the existing vaults that are already deployed on Wireern. You can check those on their website, but mm -hmm. you deposit DAI. The first one okay. we've done is for, it's, it's called Ubi DAI. So you deposit DAI, uh, you earn an interest in DAI, 10%, let's say 10% a year. And with uh, two or three points of those 10 points, uh, you use that, that part of the interest uh, to buy on Uniswap UBI and burn it. Just mm. send it to a 000 address. So you, you are not earning the full interest, the 10%. You are earning 8%. Uh, but the, those additional two points, uh, you are contributing to the long-term success of, of UBI. So mm. that helps to reduce the supply of UBI. And, you know, that, that's one of the mechanisms we have in place. There's also, we have staking pools uh, that allow to do liquidity farming on the UBI. We have a staking pool for DAI and another one for ETH. So if you are providing liquidity on Uniswap, we will give you a reward throughout the year on additional UBI. And mm. um, right now the liquidity is sitting around $700,000 on Uniswap. And... Um, and yeah, the you know the token has has been has been relatively stable over the last uh, two or three weeks. Very cool. Um, okay, and then um, in in the future, like once this system is is more mature and more and more people have their identities registered, um, how does how do you see this integrating with the broader um, Web three DeFi uh, system? It's the craziest thing about smart contracts, and I, I've been a programmer for more than 20 years. So to me, it's mind blowing what you can do with this stuff, but the, the, how easy it is to actually integrate with this is crazy. Like in just one week after we launched Proof of Humanity, someone uh, like a credit network, rip your credit network. It's a system for providing loans. They want to provide uh, under collateralized loans or loans without a collateral. And they integrated with Proof of Humanity to start building a credit score around the, the unique identity seeing on Proof of Humanity. And the integration is five lines of code. You are, you are just asking to the Proof of Humanity contract, is this address human or not? And Proof of Humanity will say true or false based on the, on the registry. So integration is really fast. Gitcoin actually is now integrating Proof of Humanity for their next round of, of grants. So they are using it for civil resistance in their in their quadratic funding uh, mechanism. Uh, we so we were seeing actually a lot of projects already that they want to have some kind of civil resistance, that they want to do some kind of democratic governance. Uh, just as, you know, using proof of humanity is is a very nice solution, and we're even seeing people implementing like human login stuff where you can authenticate with your proof of humanity address. And, and you know you you by authenticating with that address you are telling the system that like it's like a captcha you it's you know you're definitely telling the system that you are a unique human and you are not a robot 
So the, the use cases uh, built on top of like UBI, democracy, credit score, are just three applications that can be built on top of something like proof of humanity. So exciting. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I can definitely see something like the different lenders in, in DeFi. It's like an obvious first step, like they can start implementing this. And so like if I logged in to like maybe Ave with my registered address, I would be able to take out an under collateralized right. loan, for example. Right. That would be really um, interesting. I should I should talk to the guys of Ave. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're coming uh, down to the 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 last of the hour, but um, I mean, this is fascinating. Uh, thank you so much for explaining all of this. Like, I, I I had kind of like heard so much about it, but like didn't really get how like UVI connected with proof of humanity with democracy Earth. Like, what you guys were up to. Um, and it's really exciting. So can't wait to see uh, how how this uh, continues to grow. Oh, th thank you so much, Camila. It, it, it means a lot coming from you. And I know, I always remember that you, on your book, you began talking about Argentina and the financial crisis. And I guess we're all trying to figure out, uh, those of us that come from, from a country like that, we're trying to figure out like that because we know that what we have in place does not work. We live in a day and age where democracy is broken. Uh, Facebook had a big role in you know reducing the trust to our traditional democracy. What is Facebook? It's just a gigantic centralized collection of identities. So what we could do if we decentralize that, if we bring Facebook a Linux moment, you know, something that breaks apart what we understand and something that gives power to the people back. And, and, you know, our identity is back to be something that, that we control in a self-sovereign way. And uh, you know, proof of humanity is daring to, to, to do something like that. And, and so far, the, what we've seen with the community has far su surpassed our expectations. It's, uh, it's really inspiring. I think... Um, to me, it just makes sense that that this, I mean, this this should uh, take off. Like we're already seeing it with money. Like money is becoming decentralized. Uh, like it's not a theory anymore. Um, identity identity should be kind of the next big uh, step towards making a truly um, like de de democratic decentralized system. Because right now, the our current de decentralized system isn't very de democratic. So I think kind of like this is kind of the the next big push towards an improved um improved internet so thanks again santi <laughs> see you see you in the metaverse <laughs> see Bye. and before we close here's another word about our awesome sponsors experience DeFi, deposit earn and borrow on ave Aave is a decentralized, open-source, and non-custodial liquidity protocol to earn interest on deposits and borrow assets. Deposit and start earning interest in real-time directly in your wallet, and swap any of your deposited assets at any time to get some of the best deals on the market. Aave protocol liquidity pools are now available on Ethereum and on the sidechain Polygon. Head over to app.ave.com to get started today. Ensign provides an easy way to build, scale, and monetize DeFi investment strategies. If high gas prices are shutting you out of DeFi, fear not. Ensign is now running a gas subsidy program. The app makes it easy for investors to pull together on strategies lowering costs. 
The Enzyme interface allows anyone to trade, lend, deposit to AMM pools, farm, stake, and more. It is a non-custodial solution and allows for real-time reporting, security, and transparency. Sign up today on Enzyme.finance. Don't let high gas costs keep you out of Ethereum. At Balancer, you can trade all you want and get most of the gas costs back in your pocket. In their new Bell for Gas campaign, traders are receiving six figures worth of Bell tokens every week. And with V2 just around the corner, Balancer is becoming the one-stop shop for DeFi liquidity. Balancer V2 brings stable pools and weighted pools tightly integrated under a single protocol, flash loans, lending via asset managers, and much more. Check it out at balancer.finance. Check out Kraken, where you can earn additional rewards by staking some of your favorite DeFi assets. With more than 1 billion in crypto staked, including 350,000 ETH, Kraken has paid out 27 million worth of rewards to their clients. Pay a trade twice a week and you can earn up to 20% annually. Sign up today at kraken.com and start earning some of the most popular DeFi assets, including Polkadot, Uniswap, Aave, and more. I'll continue to interview all the major founders and influencers in this emerging space. When DeFi eats the world, you can say you heard them here first. Tune in next week.